This is Doing Translational Research, a podcast from the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research in the College of Human Ecology at Cornell University. Hello, welcome to Doing Translational Research. I am your host, Tony Burrow, and director of the Bronfenbrenner Center for Translational Research. Today, we are joined by Dr. Melody Goodman. Hi, Melody. Hello, thank you for having me. Absolutely, wonderful. So by way of introductions, let me say that Dr. Goodman is Associate Dean for Research and Associate Professor of Biostatistics in the School of Global Public Health at New York University. Dr. Goodman is a biostatistician and research methodologist with a large statistical toolbox. Her research interest is on identifying origins of health disparities and developing, as necessary, evidence-based primary prevention strategies to reduce these health disparities. Her work has been funded by the National Institutes of Health, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the Verizon Foundation, the Long Island Community Foundation, the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, and Susan G. Komen for the Cure. So I think to get us started here, um, it might make sense to have you characterize what it is you do. Um, And I think the way we think about this is, um, what is the big question or issue that your research is aimed at answering? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Because when you first asked me what I do, I was going to tell you (laughs) I sit on Zoom meetings and check email. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's what you do. Okay. (laughs) But what do I care about um, is is really how do we engage non-academic stakeholders in the research process in a way that is meaningful and in a way that changes how we do science and what we get from science? Okay. So... Can you, for for our listeners, can you put that into um, broader context? It, it has that traditionally been a problem that academics have faced or or have simply not done communicated their work to non academic stakeholders. Like how how big of a deal is that? I think there is a group of academics who've always done this work, right? We have a field called okay. community-engaged research or community-based participatory research or whatever you want to call yeah. it today, and tomorrow it'll have a newer, sexier name. Um, <laughs> but but I think there's always been been some people who, who did this type of work. I was trained to do this type of work as a, as a doctoral student, but I think we're realizing now that a lot of the questions that we want to address, at least around health, requires us to think a little bit differently. And we already know that diverse teams do better science, right? We have this whole idea of doing team science. But but I do think we need to think about who is on that team and maybe it shouldn't all be scientists, right? And so a lot of my work is thinking about who else needs to be on that team? Like people who, if you're trying to address asthma, then I think you should have asthmatics, right? People who are living and dealing with that condition um, on a daily basis. You probably want people who make um, decisions about what types of drugs will be supported on medical insurance, right? Like who makes the decisions, right? And so I think as researchers, I shouldn't say I think, I know <laughs> there's a statistic that says it takes about 17 years from something to that happens in research to really happen in practice, right? Oh my goodness. We don't have that much time to address the issues that I care about. At least I don't think so. And so I think as researchers now, we need to start thinking about 
how do we speed that time up? And I think by including other people in our process, making sure that we have outcomes that are meaningful and relevant to other stakeholders is how we reduce that 17-year gap. If my goal is to write a paper that sits in some journal that other scientists read, then that's one thing. But if I'm trying to solve problems in communities like the one that I grew up in, right? When you're trying to solve health problems amongst people where health is not even their top concern sometimes because they're just trying to make it day to day, then you need to think about different ways of approaching those problems. And you need to think about them in a real context of someone's lived experience, right? I can't tell someone who's diabetic, you have to work out and you have to eat better And they don't have access to a gym. The park is not a safe place in their neighborhood, right? So they don't have sidewalks, let's say, right? Or they don't have access to fruits and vegetables. That's not a realistic intervention, but that's the way we do science. And I'm trying to to disrupt that. I'm trying to say that if we want to solve some of these issues, we can't do our science like that. We need to bring some of these people in so that we're asking relevant questions and we're implementing our work in real world situations. And I think that the key to that is engaging people who are not scientists in this process, engaging the people that we're trying to help in the work that we do. So I hear it in your voice. I maybe am imputing this because of the seeming urgency of something like health, but is this 17 year gap between the production of some insight in a research laboratory and then it mattering, is that in your mind, a story about health-related research, and that's why we need to shorten the gap? I mean, clearly, the, the, the 17 years is a long time. I, I don't even remember 17 years ago. So there's a, there's a problem just on, on the surface. But it, you, you're speaking about this from a place of, uh, if, I'm, if I'm following, that the communities for whom these consequences matter can't wait that long. I mean, that's, an, that's a generation of people who may be unwell or may not be reaping the full benefits. So is, it, is health applying the greatest urgency here that these are real health issues or is this something that you just think all research needs to be hand in the hands of stakeholders much earlier on i mean i would say all research but i do public health right and so this is that's your thing okay i'm passionate about and this is the space that i'm in i'm also a black woman who's well educated who's predicted to have poor health outcomes right so Hmm. so i don't have 17 years for the research community to figure this out i need i need us to figure this out now you're a stakeholder yeah (laughs) yes yeah yeah you're you're, you're a stakeholder um yeah i i get that it's such a it's such a fascinating point i i suspect most people we have the honor of speaking with feel an urgency about the work that they do but there's something just, just unmistakable unmistakably urgent about health research and public health research that feels like it's like it's like do this now and the take-home message is we must step up to to speed up this process because there's too much on the line for people and it just can't you know some a finding sitting in a journal article isn't doing anybody any good if, if the communities aren't benefiting from this so you've already acknowledged um the role of communities and or stakeholders in the work that you do but let's jump further into this to this this um, topic in so can you walk us through in your research let's jump to some opportunities or challenges with doing work that engages communities so when you're trying to do this work you're trying to bring in stakeholders into the research process describe that so if you could what are some opportunities there and what are some challenges or obstacles that you run into 
So I definitely think the opportunity is that it's made me a better scientist. It's made me think about okay. what my science is. It's made me rethink my scientific questions. It's made me think about wow. how we'll implement my science in practice, right? So I just think okay. in, a, in a real way, it's made me a better scientist. I think the challenge is that, and this is the challenge with everything, it takes more time um, and it takes mm -hmm. more money. Um, and really the mm -hmm. time, I think, is the hardest thing because time is a non-renewable resource for which most of us don't only have a finite amount mm -hmm. of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Money, you know, not that I have all of it, but but you can get money from places. <laughs> time, you cannot, you know, you can't borrow time or like, ah, you know, yeah. things like yeah. that. And so building yeah. the relationships take time and the way that at least academic institutions are set up, it's not really conducive um, to the scientists. I think the other thing I'll say is um, I'm a biostatistician, so I definitely like numbers more than I like other humans that are not me. Um, <laughs> and so I think, um, you know, this type of work you have to be real intentional about. Like you're, you're building a relationship with someone um, and building a partnership. Um, and that takes intention. It takes, it takes, it's like any other relationship or friendship that that you're gonna build with someone you can't only go in with what you need you have to be willing to give some of yourself to that other person without necessarily it benefiting you and the way we set up academic environments there's not often a lot of capacity for people to to do that if they're not intentional about what they're doing um <laughs> I am the most successful anti-academic. I think that that there is. I've been in an academic. I've been in an academic institution my whole life, or my whole, really, my whole sort of postgraduate career. And the whole mm -hmm. time, I haven't done anything the way that people say academics should do things, just because I don't <laughs> think the system works for people like me. Um, I'm not interested in writing papers that sit in journals and are only passed on to other scientists. But that is the currency often in the field that we work in. But I want to help minority and low-income communities. Like, that's why I got an advanced degree. I didn't get an advanced degree to write in journals. I didn't even know what journals were when I was, like, going. Like, I, that just wasn't yeah. it for me. That's not what drove me to go get a degree. And so I think because I'm driven differently, I've bucked the system um, the hmm. entire time. Um, and I've been waiting to get kicked out, but they still keep me in. So I, I must be doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the curious paradox here. So that's, that's not your why. The journal placement in H index is not your why. Um, so has pursuing a why a reason for doing your work that feels to you antithetical. Um, and I, I, I would agree. It, it, it seems like when you prioritize actual impact and working with communities over publication count, has it come at a cost to you? I mean, you, you clearly, you said you nominated yourself as the most successful. So you seemingly are thriving, but, but it, does it come at a cost to pursue this work to you? I don't think so, because I think I figured out how to get Okay. Get them what they want while getting what I want, right? So I so have let's lots talk, of let's papers. talk about that because we need, we need, yeah, we need. It. So, so you still you publish I clearly, publish. you publish. So, so, you, but do you think is that a salient motivation for you? Do you think about that? Like, I got to get these publications out because th th there's a literature you're interacting with, right? You're, you're, you're the things you're interested in studying. But do you keep an eye on that? Like, I gotta, I gotta both do what they are looking for me to do. But also, meanwhile, I'm driven for this other reason. Is that a do you do you walk around kind of thinking about those things simultaneously? 
No, I usually do what I want to do and then say, how can I get a paper from it? Like, I usually do whatever it is ah. I'm interested in doing. And then later on go, ah. how can I get a paper about this? Is it a commentary? Is it an empir-? Like, then I figure out, is it an evaluation? What is it that I can get um, from this? Oh, I don't go into things with a paper as my goal. Again, I'm a biostatistician. Okay. So Got writing it. the paper, not exciting to me. Doing the analysis, I love. <laughs> but if like the, the writing the paper, that's not going to be the thing that excites me. Um, so yeah. so I, the goal for me has to be doing good work. And then when I've done good mm. work, I'm excited to tell other people about it. So that's how I frame it mm. to myself. Okay. Like okay. you've done something great and I want to share it with other people. And then I really think about who do I want to share it with? Because that determines whether it goes to a Hmm. straight academic journal, if it becomes more of an op-ed. Usually I try to do both, like publish it in an academic journal and then try to get it out to people who I think need to know but are never going to touch that academic um, journal. I think think, even though I say I'm the anti-academic, I think I figured out how to play the game really well. And so I have all the metrics that one would have. So I've never had anyone say, um, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, I do think people are trying to figure out what I'm doing, but not in that, in that sort of way. Like I'm the person who people say, that's not going to work. And then I say, okay, well, let me show you how to make it work. Right? Like, I'm always the one who tries to figure things out. Dr. Goodman, I, I think you're who we've been waiting to talk to for a very long time on, on this podcast because you're talking about the very issues that everybody speaks to, but it doesn't seem quite as, I don't know, it doesn't seem quite the obstacle. You, you, you have figured this out and that needs to be bottled, right? I mean, for other people who do this work to help them, I mean, what people can't see right now is you're smiling. Like not everybody's smiling when they're talking about some of these challenges, but you are. I think it's clear that you figured something out, but helping other people figure out how to do that. Like in what amount, where's the sweet spot from pursuing what you want to pursue and then winding up with the publication, whatever the currency is in that space. That seems really interesting. Speaking of currency and broader understanding and what the difference between an academic article or op-ed, let's push this more toward an op-ed. And what if I were to ask you about the general, thinking about the general area in which you do work, um, what are some things you want the general public to know or to know about or to better understand? What are two or three things that you think are just super important that the average person really needs to understand? So I push this idea of community engagement, but my work is really about evaluating that, like really understanding it. Um, And I've been trying to push people to think about engagement beyond a practice, which it is, and treat it more like a science. Because what's happened in our field of stakeholder engagement is there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that it works. There's a lot of papers around best practices or lessons learned, but there's no evidence-based approaches. If I have this population in this situation, what do I do? There's nothing that says that. And it's because we haven't treated it like a science. We've treated it like, you know, this method and approach. But if we know that this method and approach works, then we now need to think about it as a science so we know when does it work, who does it work with, and what situations does it work in. And so that's the space that I've been trying to be in is like, you know, now this makes sense that I'm a statistician, right? Like, how do I think about these metrics and these measures? Like, how do we really think about evaluating, evaluating engagement so that we can understand how it impacts both the scientific process and scientific discovery? Right. So someone who's 
concerned, I might even say hyper concerned with measurement, <laughs> you take that lens when even when you look at this issue. This isn't epiphenomenal. This isn't a byproduct. This is something that we can actually wrap a scientific lens around and better understand and do better with it from whatever we observe, make improvements on that. that that's that's a fascinating, that's a fascinating take on this. Um, so I guess it's a, this is a short jump to this question then. So what is one real world change you'd like to make based upon your research? So like it, it could just be that is to do better by making this a science. But what is something it's like, I think you want your research to really push into and push the world forward on. What would that be? I want community engagement or stakeholder engagement to be the norm. Like, I don't want it to be that there's a group of researchers who do this type of work. I want it to be that when you do research, especially around public health research and research that impacts humans, that engaging those people, that's the norm for how we do these, this type of work. It's not like what those other people do. It's what everyone does. Now I see why you might be perceived as antithetical or like anti-science <laughs> because, because I can see how not everybody has that identity. Right. And, and they may, they, to your point, they may say like, well, that's what they do over there. But I, I hang out in my research lab and I'm, I'm doing science all day. I don't engage with communities. And you're like, no, 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 that's actually part and parcel of this whole process. Um, but listen, if I, like, I'm a statistician, right? Like I'm the person who's most, I'm in the field, right? Or the space that the, those people would most likely say, like, I don't do that stuff. I don't, I yeah. just deal with the data, yeah, yeah. right? But I even know that like, I wasn't getting the data I wanted. I wasn't being able to answer the questions. So I had to step from behind the computer, right? Because otherwise I was getting what people gave to me. I wasn't getting what I wanted, right? And you have to engage people. And, and it has to be bi-directional. It's not like I need this from you. It has to be like, well, what are, you, what are your concerns? Like, what is the pressing yeah. issue for you? Yeah. So it's fascinating, a statistician saying this, but like you, 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 you perceive community engagement is it's not like a nice it's not just a nicety it's a necessity of doing this work and everybody should be this is an enterprise everybody should be engaged with um that's that's just that's that's wonderful it's an interesting thought um a question then is what do you think like as 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 a person who's in the business of collecting evidence and drawing inferences from that evidence what is missing from our current scientific and research repertoire and the world that you would like to see? So is all of this waiting on more research? So let's think for a second about our colleagues who don't necessarily see community engagement as part of what they do or want to do. What is missing to convince them or to help them see or understand themselves in this way? So what evidence could be produced or shown what is the space between where you are and where the world that you're able to talk about is that you think research stands a chance at, at addressing or filling that space? So, look, I get it. I get that some people don't want to do it. And frankly, some people probably shouldn't do it, right? Like, if you don't have the, <laughs> okay. the personality for it. Um, but, but what I tell my students when they ask me about engagement, there's a great poem by Robert Fulgram, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. 
So when people ask me about engagement, I, I send them to that poem. Everything you need to know about engaging someone else, you've already learned in kindergarten. It's like, be a nice human, right? Be a good person. Put things back where you found them. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt someone. Like, this is just like the golden rule, right? And it's all there. So, so that we can do. But we know some people, even in our own context, who don't behave like that. And if you don't behave that, like that with other scientists, please don't go out into the community because it makes my life harder when I try to go out after people who have <laughs> after people who have not done a, a great job. That being said, I hope the 17-year data point that I gave is part of what convinces people about this. Are you doing work for the sake of doing work? Because most of us, especially as we get older, 17 years, I'm like, you know... <laughs> I want to be on a beach somewhere. It's a while. Yeah, it's a while from (laughs) now, right. You know, by the time my work has impact, I'm going to be retired maybe. You know, like that doesn't seem to be a great model for how science should be done, right? Like that the scientists who, unless you're winning the Nobel Prize, no one's going to know about your science until after you're dead. (laughs) Like that just doesn't even seem like a good marketing strategy for scientists. Like how do I convince other people they should be scientists if it, you know, it's nothing happens until after you're gone. So if that doesn't convince people that like, at minimum, we need to do a better job at translating our findings to the right people, right? And so that's how I start people with engagement. I never start with like engaging people in the process. I always say, think about, who should have the results of your work? Is it a policymaker? Because a policymaker is not going to read that journal article. So then you need mm. to write a policy brief. Mm. And you need to give it to him in a way that's meaningful. Is it a mm. media person? Again, the media person is not going to read that article. Give them five right. bullet points right. and a pitch line for their story that, you know, give people the information in the way that makes mm. sense to them, mm. right? And I think once people start doing that, then they see like, oh, but if I had engaged this person in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. it could have been really different. So I usually start people like sort of dip your toe in the pool, like do it at the end. Think about who should get your work. Think about how you should disseminate it. Great. Write your paper and write an op-ed and write a policy. Right? <laughs> Take that one thing and translate it. You know, this is the remix, right? Like this is how, you know, right? Like this is how you get all of these products. Take that one thing, right? And this is a good academic thing and make it into multiple products. So now you've taken one thing you've done and you've made three different academic products from it going to three different audiences right and you've helped give your science to people in a way that makes sense to them because the only people that understand journal articles are other scientists right it's not designed for other we're writing for other scientists right but science is supposed to be for the greater good of humanity it's supposed to be what we do to move our, and especially in public health, like if, if any field <laughs> needs to think about how to get information out to people, it's us, right? And, you know, the thing that I've been thinking about is how do I just increase people's data literacy? How do I get people to a point where they can understand some of these sort of, you know, because everything's a trade-off. Nothing, nothing is take the blue pill and everything's going to be great. Everything you do in life has a trade-off and how do we get people to understand what those are for them, right? I think this is a fascinating insight. And um, where, where you ended, I want to pick up with is this notion of literacy. Um, you're right. Scientific articles that are tucked in journals don't come with that sort of um, 
lesson. Maybe with if you're if you're really liberal about this, you could understand a method section as like we're going to explain what we did here. But we know the average person cannot fully pick up a method section, and then you know lead into the results and fully. There's just an increasing divide and separation for people who did the work and those who really probably for whom the consequences matter. Um, but your point about literacy, increasing literacy, is sort of a preparation, and it may be no different um, from people who, <laughs> to your point. Everybody probably should think this way, but not everybody might be ready to do this work. And, and, and you know, certain, we may not want everybody interacting with every community, right? And so maybe some kind of literacy or preparation for community engagement might be important. So kind of a training, perhaps, of like, how do you even do this work? And it's really where your work picks up is helping people understand that this is, this is where, this is part of the process. And getting people early on, maybe not at, at the end of their career, but early in their career, thinking this is just part of what they do. This is this is fascinating. I want to thank you kindly for spending some time with us, walking us through your insights and your perspective on things. We we learned a lot, and I'm 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 sure any listener who's who's following us is 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 chewing and digesting on all that you you've shared here. Because there's something that you would like to say, respond to before we close up here. Anything that you want to Make sure that you, we have you on recording saying. I would just say to people, um, particularly people who can relate to me saying I'm an anti-academic, <laughs> um, that um, there are things that I love about academia. Obviously, you see that I have a smile on my face, right? Um, and, and the thing that I love the most about academia is that it has allowed me to bring the university as a community resource and to teach people in communities how having a university in their community is a great resource for them to have beyond what standard people think about in terms of jobs and economics, right? But really the fact that if you live near a great university and most people in, in every urban center pretty much does and, and in many rural places too, that there's this added benefit that you can get from that, but you have to be able to tap into that. Um, and for me, the joy that, I've, that I have from academia is sort of being able to show people that these institutions being in their community can work for them and will if they build the right partnerships. And this is why I'm so passionate about this idea of partnerships and structures is that, you know, <clears throat> the university, any business can, can have their own justification for why they want to do things. And in many times I tell communities, um, we could talk about the why and we could have lots of conversations about the why, but let's focus on the what. Like, let's focus on what we can actually get <laughs> in this moment, in this time, what we can use to our benefit. Um, and, and I will say to people, at least people like me, I think um, it is quite easy to leave academia. But the reason why I stay is that, you know, there's not a lot of people like me willing to bring the resources of a university into a low income, predominantly minority community. Um, and we need more people to do that, um, particularly as it relates to public health. And we need more people to do that for science, but we also need more people to do that for the next generation of scientists, 
so that they see that there's people in these places that care about issues that they care about, that have these jobs that they probably know, like who's heard of a biostatistician? I did it, right? Like that people have these jobs that they may not have heard. And it really changes their idea. Like I think, um, I think a lot of people, when they think of a biostatistician, they think of a white or Asian man. And part of what I hope is that people who know me, when you think of a biostatistician, your first thought is now a black woman. And that's the, the line that I'll end on. <laughs> uh, I think that's brilliant. And that's why, Dr. Goodman, we can't see you as anti-academic. You are wholly academic to me. And that's that's so, it's so important. I think you spoke, I think that reflection just speaks to the circle of helping people understand that this community engagement is a part of research and research is a part of community engagement. And even the physical proximity of universities to communities speaks to that. And I think supports that. This is absolutely brilliant. We just thank you so much for your time, Dr. Goodman. Thank you for spending some time chatting with us today. Absolutely. Have a good one. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening to Doing Translational Research. We'll catch you next time.